right now, Jesus, we take a moment just to think about what we've just sung. Lord, we thank you as your word declares that we as your people have passed from death into new life. Lord, we thank you for all of the wonderful promises that you have declared as a yes to us. Lord, we thank you today for where you brought us from, where you're taking us to. We thank you that this is the day that you've made. And we pray that you would be glorified today in everything that we do. Lord, I ask you that the words of my mouth, that the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. And it would bless, lift, encourage, and equip your precious people that you have bought with your own blood. Nobody else can lay claim to that. Nobody else can stand up in the room and declare or even come near to what you've done. So, Lord, we honor you and we thank you and we realize that we are in your presence. And therefore, Lord, I ask you to help me speak the highest words, the greatest words, your word, to enrich and bless your people that they would live beyond this moment like seeds growing in the heart, bringing forth a wonderful harvest. You said that you would give us fruit and fruit that would remain. So, Lord, I pray for that over your people today. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a shout. And then you can be seated. We're going to have a great morning this morning. We've been looking over the last few weeks at the essential ingredients to building a healthy church. The essential ingredients to building a successful life. There are essential ingredients to having a great life. There are essential ingredients necessary in order for us to have a great life, a successful life, in order for us to thrive in living. There are necessary ingredients that we have to have in place within our lives in order for our lives to be successful. And we're looking at God's Word with this in mind that if we are going to be successful, if we are going to be blessed, and it is God's desire, God's plan, God's utmost concern that we be blessed in every area of our lives, if we are going to walk in the blessing that He has prescribed for our lives, it's important that we give attention to His Word. It's important that we not only be hearers of that Word, like James says, but we be doers. That's right. Do us of that word that we ask the Holy Spirit to help us in what we hear from, from, from his mouth and also that we begin to walk in that word that we have believed in our heart, that we begin to see its power unlocked in our daily lives, in our experience. There's no greater blessing than to hear God's word 
And then to see that word begin to work in your life, to see it translated into real substance within your life, to see and unlock the richness of it, the blessedness of it, the infiniteness of it. There's nothing like knowing that word in your daily walk. There really isn't. And that is God's plan for each one of us, not just for one more than another. God wants us to hear that word, to hear that still small voice, but then to see it really unpack itself, unlock itself, and begin to thrive in everything that we do. If you go after that, I'm telling you, God is going to meet your desire. God is going to give you all of the blessedness of life experience as He intended it to be. He really is. David said, my soul follows hard after God. Be that type of person that your soul and the, the energies of your life follow hard after God. Yeah, there's things that we've got to do with life. There's, there's work that we've got to attend to that takes our time and sometimes takes our mind. But above all else, after having done all of those things, let that burning fire within you never go out where you say, my soul is following hard after God. Sometimes we have pursuits and uh, hobbies and desires and goals that we follow hard after, but let's be a people, let's be a family whose one ultimate objective is to follow hard after God. You follow hard after God, I'm telling you, you're going to get more than you ever expected. You're going to get more than ever you anticipated. You're going to get a, an abundance and an overflow that goes far, far beyond any measure or any calculation that this world can calculate. You're going to be blessed in everything you do, and it's going to be so abundant. It's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over in every way, because when God is involved in anything, there's abundance and blessing. He brings everything of himself into anything in which he is present. There's no religion on the face of this earth, friends that makes the claims that Christianity makes. There's no religion on the face of this earth that gives you the promises that the Bible gives you. Tell me what religion on the face of this earth, and there are hundreds if not thousands of them, tell me what religion makes this statement regarding your life. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is not one religion. Tell me what, what religion on the face of this earth makes this statement regarding your life. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Tell me what religion there is, and you can line them up with their so-called holy books that says, in Him we live, in Him we move, in Him we have our, bill, our, our being. Tell me what religion on the face of this earth declares to you that greater is He that's in you. Than he that's in the than he that's in the world. You're not a piece of muck under God's foot that that He's scraping off and and you know looking at angrily. No, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, cleansed by His blood, purchased for blessing. Wonderful! Oh, the promises of God's word are without end. They really are. They are without end without end. And this is the intention, this is the plan that God has for each one 
of our lives to enrich us, to bless us, and to give us everything that He has purchased us for. We were looking last week and talking about the Corinthian church. They were in a real mess. They were in, you know, relational difficulty, relational strife, loads of stuff happening. They were squabbling. They were fighting. They were arguing among themselves. And they didn't know what to do. And the church was at a point of breaking because they had no formula. And then Paul, the apostle, comes into their midst and he hands them the secret of life. He hands them the formula. He hands them the blueprint that will never fail when you build from it. Paul hands them the map that will take you through every valley, every dark place, every corner it'll get you out of. It'll, it'll bring you through your confusion into truth and you will succeed and never fail. And he writes to them what we know as 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The blueprint, the picture that they had wandered away from. Paul, when he came to this church, he didn't shout at them. He didn't get them all in a room and start ripping into them. He just begins to beckon them and call them back to the, to the blueprint, to the design for their lives. And he gives them what we know as 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me just read to you four verses from this wonderful wonderful word that Paul brings to a church that's struggling, to people's lives that are misdirected and misinformed. He says this to them, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, endures all things. Just that verse alone, verse 7, makes you more than a conqueror when love is resident and present, when love is active, this love of God that's been shed abroad in your heart according to Romans chapter 5, verse 5. When this love is displaying itself and controlling every attitude, controlling every action, voicing its voice, you'll be able to bear all things, the Bible says. Stand up under the load of life. Stand up under the burdens that people place on you. Stand up under the weight and carry it. You won't have to pray for a lighter load because love will give you a strong back to bear all things. It's an incredible power. It seems completely impossible, and yet the love of God through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit can actually enable each and every one of us to live in this way. It bears all things. You can't be conquered. Greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. 
This love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It doesn't run away from a problem. It runs to the problem. It doesn't run away from the challenge or the obstacle. It's content to live in it. It doesn't matter what the surrounds are or the environment in which it lives. Love, love endures all things. And then he finally caps it off by saying this, love never fails. Love never fails. There is a power and a presence of God's love that's unconditional that is in your heart as a result of the Holy Spirit that will never fail. It will never fail. Lots of times we stumble about and we bump into this issue and we bump into that issue and we get dragged into this quarrel and we fall headlong into a conflict that we hadn't headed towards but our friend may have dragged us into and suddenly we're in a, in a mire in, in, like, in like pig swill and we're up to our neck in issues right in the middle of that swamp. Love, love, the love of God can enable you to bring order where there's disorder, peace where there's chaos. The love of God can enable you like it can enable, can enable me to bring blessing where there's cursing. The love of God, when we access it, never fails. Never fails. This is not a theory. This is not some kind of formula. This is more like a blueprint that we have to hold and cherish and, and put our lives against and remodel our lives, redesign our attitudes, remake our actions, line up what we want to say against this. And if it doesn't match, address what we want to say, address those attitudes, address those heart issues, address the mix, address the ingredients, get the bad out and get the good in. And I'm telling you, you never fail. Yes, it is impossible, but not with God. What With man, Jesus said, didn't he? With man, many things are impossible, this being one of them. But with God, all things are possible. You can do it. You can do it. You can be dishonored and remain honorable. You can be gossiped about and maligned in your character and keep your integrity. You can be betrayed and denied and still offer a hand of forgiveness as Jesus did and acceptance and embrace. That is what the power of love can do. You can be crucified on a cross with thousands and thousands of people from the city around on that rubbish dump watching you, cursing you, saying, if you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, come down. You saved others. You can't even save yourself. You can have all of that hurt and, and, and abuse being pushed in your face and in the midst of of it all in the darkest hour of humanity you can say father forgive them for they know not what they do perfect love can never be overcome perfect love casts out fear perfect love never fails
never fails. And this is the Christ that we are following. This is the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus, who gave his life and laid it down as an example for us. And this is the love that he commended to his disciples on the night that he was betrayed. And this is the love that he commends to us as his family. As I have loved you, as you have seen me, not heard me, but as you have seen me practice this love through the streets where there's been hatred and religious legalism, where as you've watched me and seen me, as they've come to me in their multiplied thousands, so I expect this standard in you, and I will send my Spirit to do it as I have loved you, love one another. The standard is incredible. The standard is amazing. But this is how men will know that you are my disciples and my followers, Jesus said. It is not a bunch of do's and don'ts by which men might know us, Jesus said. It's by this love being expressed in all of its forms and all of its dimensions. It's incredible. Nothing can separate you from this love, Paul says, the love of God. No matter what you can go through, no matter what you do, no matter how you feel, nothing can separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. But this same love... This same love, this active love that's so demonstrable, that's so powerful, that's so physical and visible, wants to have expression through our lives too. It really does. You know, when I worked in engineering, and I worked in engineering for many years, before something went into production, you would have a development team, a design and a development team to plan it out, to draw it. And then when it was about to go into production, a draftsman would come from his office and he would issue a series of drawings to the tradesmen. There may be 20, 30, sometimes on site there would be hundreds of tradesmen and they would all refer to the set of drawings that the draftsman had drawn. On those drawings, there would be exact measurements. On those drawings, everything would be detailed as to what was needed to bring into production what had been designed. For instance, the materials that had to be used. Various, various materials that would be used in the design and the manufacture of a product would all be detailed on that drawing, on that blueprint holes and, and tolerances and measurements. The drawings would carry it all. The tradesmen would not wander from the drawings. The tradesmen would take those drawings and they would put into action what those drawings prescribed. At various points through the process, there would be inspections. The inspection the inspector would come with the drawings and he would do his measurements, he would do his calculations, and he would see that every item had been adhered to from the blueprints, the drawings. And only as we worked to that plan, only as we worked to those drawings, 
Could we see anything come into fruition? Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, was issuing a set of drawings. The church, the people, were faltering, were floundering. They were just living life according to their own design. They were just making it up as they went along. They were just living with one another as they had lived outside of Christ, so they were living in Christ. And Paul comes to them and he issues the perfect set of drawings from the architect of the universe. And he hands it to them and he says, listen, if you want to design for your life, if you want to be successful in everything you do, here's the plan, here's the pattern, adhere to this and you'll never fail. Love never fails. And he passes it to them and they hold it. And they realign themselves and they have to probably make huge adjustments, life adjustments, but as they make those adjustments, so the blessing falls. Maybe today, I think all of us could say, there's adjustments we've got to make. I'll be the first to put my two hands up and my two legs and the spiky hair that I've got on the top of my head. I'll put it all up. I need to make adjustments in my life. Where am I going to go to see what adjustments I need to make? No other place other than the Word of God, the perfect blueprint, the perfect design. You build a house, you build a building, you need a plan. An architect designs their plans in their plans they tell you how deep the foundation's got to be, what materials have got to be used. They've calculated the stresses and the forces that are going to be exerted on that building. They know exactly how the building needs to be erected. They issue their plans to the builder, and the builder has to work in accordance with the plan, the pattern. If the builder doesn't, then the building could be under threat in the future. Only as the pattern is followed, only as the blueprint is adhered to, only as the materials required are used, can there be any kind of success. It's the same with our lives. We need to give ourselves to the Word of God. In fact, Paul on another occasion to the church at Colossae said, let the Word of Christ dwell within you richly. What word is dwelling within you? Is it your word, your ideas, your ideals, your design? Or has the word of God, the word of Christ, been allowed to be united with the faith of your heart, where it is the predominant voice in your life, shaping your actions, shaping your values, shaping your choices? Maybe today it might be a readjustment in that area. I need to listen to the Word of Christ. I need to let it dwell within me richly in order for this building of my life. Let me tell you, your life is more important than any physical building, 
any skyscraper that, that is erected, any, any, it, it, it's irrelevant. Those things are irrelevant in comparison to your life. Your life is the greatest, greatest thing. David said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And things that are fearfully and wonderfully made only deserve the, the most wonderful things in them. Fearfully and wonderfully made. The blueprint is here. The blueprint needs to be taken hold of and used passionately and joyfully. The author and writer, G.K. Chesterton, who is a poet and a theologian as well, was once speaking in a university. He was delivering a series of lectures, and in the question time, a student stood up, and he said, Mr. Chesterton, if you were isolated and abandoned on an island surrounded by sea, what would be the one book, the last request of a book that you would have? What would it be? They all waited and wondered, would it be a spiritual book? He was a renowned man, a well-read man, a renowned author and speaker. Would it be a spiritual book? If it was the last book that he had to hold in his hand and read, what book would he choose? Would it be a great literary work? Chesterton thought over the question and then responded. He said, if I had to have one book on that island that had been surrounded by sea, the book that I would want to hold in my hand would be titled, A Practical Guide to Shipbuilding. The audience laughed. Everybody understood the practicality and the simplicity, but also the profundity of his mind. The Bible is a practical book to life building. It really is. It's not an intellectual book. It's not a book just to simply study. It's not just a book to read and hear. It's actually a book to do, to take hold of, to use your life with, to measure your life against, and to implement all of the designs and all of the dimensions that are contained within it and see your life thrive and be blessed in every sense. God wants us to hold this blueprint in our hands like he did the Corinthian church so that we will be blessed in everything we do. He really does. Do you know, as I was preparing this today, my mind went to a time when the children of Israel were in a very, very dark period in their lives. You can read it in the book of Judges. The book of Judges is in the Old Testament, and it's a historical account of 480 years of the children's, children of Israel's existence. But sadly, this historical account of over 480 years recounts all of the ups and the downs and the inconsistencies of God's people. The pendulum would swing into short victories, but then it would swing back into long periods of defeat and oppression, 
to where the people were running from their homes. They were hiding in holes, running to the mountains, hiding in caves because they were being oppressed by the armies that were against Israel. It was a terrible time, not just for five years, 10 years, or 20 years, 480 years, the children of Israel struggled to get by. They had no success. They had no blessing on their lives. What was the reason? What was the reason? Was there a reason? Yes. What was the reason why they struggled, why they lived so defeatedly, and why they were oppressed. In Judges 21, verse 25, you read about the reason. The reason becomes very clear to us as to why they experienced such horrendous defeat for over 480 years. It says this, in those days, there was no king in Israel. And here it is. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They had no blueprint. They had no design to refer to. They just did whatever they wanted to do. And as a result of doing whatever they wanted to do, they were complete, completely and repeatedly defeated. It wasn't God's blessing. But there was this inconsistency that, that plagued them. They would have short bursts of victory, and then suddenly they'd defer back to default, doing what was right in their own eyes, and they would be in defeat and chaos again. God would have mercy on them after a long period of defeat. They would cry out to God. God would send a deliverer for a short period of time. They would have victory and then suddenly they would refer back, re revert back to doing what was right in their own eyes. And suddenly they would plummet from their place of victory, from their place of blessing. And they would, they would plummet into defeat again. That's not God's will. God didn't get any glory from that. Judges, the book of Judges, a book of history of over 480 years where the people were in terrible oppression and terrible defeat. If you go to the book before it, the book of Judges, uh, the book of Joshua, sorry, it's a completely different story. Now, the book of Joshua is a historical book, just like the book of Judges is. Oh, but what a difference! The, the, the people in the book of Joshua, God's people, are thriving, they're blessed, they're conquering, they're victorious, they're not retreating or regressing, they're moving forward in every way, the hand of God is with them. They, they can't be conquered. They're certainly not running away to the hills to live in caves. They've got their own homes and houses and fields where they're planting and gaining crop and harvest. There's blessing. Everything's going forward. They've got a wonderful future ahead of them. Why the difference? Why could it be that one generation is so blessed and, and so 
so under God's favor and under God's blessing, and yet the successive generations after that generation suffered terrible humiliation and defeat generation after generation. Why is there such a difference of life experience? I'll tell you why. Because one honored the blueprint and the others didn't. Because one took hold of the design and the others didn't. It's really simple. In Joshua 21, we see that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. But right at the beginning of entering the, 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 the Canaan land, the promised land, God said this to Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, because God did not want Joshua to suffer defeat or anybody else to suffer defeat, He said this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, listen to this, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Don't tell me that God doesn't want to make you prosperous. Don't tell me that God does not want your life to thrive. Don't tell me that, you're, that God doesn't want your life to enjoy good success. I tell you now, when you meditate on God's Word day and night, it's impossible to fail. It's impossible not to have good success. It's impossible not to thrive. In everything you do, God doesn't set anybody up to fail. He does not get any pleasure in anybody being defeated. Meditate, he says, on my word, day and night. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go, it's impossible. Impossible. Not to have such wonderful, wonderful, glorious success if God is with you. He'll be with us when we hold the design. When we cherish the plan. When we listen to the instructions. Jesus told a story, and I'll refer to it again. He told a story about two men. They were building a house. And their houses went up very much the same. But the foundations that they were building on were very, very different. It's important what you build your life on. It's important to give your life to the Word of God. It's important to let the Word of God dwell within you richly. It's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Don't fight against it. Go with it. It wants to bless you and enable you to succeed. The foundations of these men were very different. One built on the rock, one built on sand. Jesus said, I will liken the wise man who built his house upon the rock as a man who not only heard my word, but went ahead and done it. He was the wise man. The wise man that heard the word of Jesus and went ahead and did it. But the man that built his house on sand... He didn't. He may, have, he may have heard the word that Jesus spoke, but he did not do it. Let me ask you this question. What does sand represent in the Bible? Have you ever wondered what sand represented? If you look through the Old Testament, there's lots of references 
to sand. Let me tell you what sand represents in the Bible. It represents people. People. Jesus was saying, listen, you can build your life on the voice of people. You can build your life on the opinion of others. But when the storm comes, and the storm will come to every life, it will reveal how stable and how secure the foundation is upon which you build your life. The only person that you can build your life on to ensure that your life is not going to go down through any storm that's going to hit it is none other than Jesus Christ. And I make no apology in saying that. You can build your life on opinion. It matters squat. It's gonna, not going to give your life any strength in the midnight hour. Opinion and experience that people bring to your life, and they say build your life on this and do it that way and found your life here. I'm telling you now, it's like sand, friends. It's like sand. Jesus Christ is the rock of ages that will never fail. The storm will hit you, but you'll still be standing after it. Nobody else, nobody else other than Jesus, I tell you. There really isn't. You know, we've got a philosophy in our world. It's in our culture. If you want to know the values of a culture, you've just got to listen to its voice. Listen to what advertising and television and media, listen to their voice. You'll understand the culture and the spirit behind it. Just, just one, one voice, one advertisement that's been the motto for years now of Nike, just do it. Now, that's not a bad motto when it comes to sportswear and when it comes to competing, just do it. But when it becomes a philosophy, when it becomes a culture, when it becomes inbred into the fabric of a human life, that philosophy will fail. It will fail. Just do it. You know, you go to New York. I've never been there. Faye wants to go there. Maybe one day. Hallelujah. You go to New York and you see the Statue of Liberty. One man said, fantastic statue. We believe in liberty. But next to that statue should be erected another statue, the Statue of Responsibility. You see, liberty without responsibility leads to chaos and anarchy. Responsibility. Not just do it. Not just, just go ahead if it feels right and live that way. No. There's a design, there's a pattern, there's ingredients, there's a blueprint for life. If we're going to be successful, if we're going to build our lives on the rock, Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church in Corinth. He was saying, guys, listen, come on. This isn't just about freedom. This isn't just about liberty. This is about responsibility. This is about a pattern, a design, a procedure, a formula for blessing for your life. And he gives them this wonderful, wonderful chapter to build from. On into 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14, Paul says this, Let all that you do be done with love. What a standard. 
What a statement. It's hard. It's impossible. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the leader, it can be achieved. And the fulfillment and the blessing on such a life is wonderful. Let everything be done, he says. Let everything be done in love. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Have you received God's word this morning? Amen. Amen. Let everything be done in love. Don't move away from the blueprint. Church, I've given you this, he says to them. I've given you this, church. Now don't move away from it. In all your interactions with one another. And I'm not saying this here this morning because we've got any problems here. I'm saying this here because we're going out into a world next week where there's going to be challenge after challenge, queuing up, waiting for a little visit. You're going to have to be patient and suffer long. You're going to have to bear all things, believe all things, endure all things, because God doesn't want you to fail. People are going to be prodding you and jibing you, trying to get a knee-jerk reaction from you. Do all things in love. Hold the blueprint. Stay true to the cause because somebody may be watching you and at the other end of your obedience is their blessing because they're going to be one to Christ as a result of the life and the love and the light coming out of your life. Amen. One more story. Years ago, Faye and I went to Ikea. We were setting up home. We needed a wardrobe. I know, James, it was a wonderful, wonderful time. <laughs> and we needed a wardrobe. We didn't have much furniture. So we bought this flat pack. And uh, I got it into the house and took it up into the bedroom, opened the box, and there it was, my first flat pack. Wonderful. Every man, I'm sure, has got a story about their first flat pack. Probably every woman here as well, every wife has got a story about their man's first flat pack. Well, this was my first flat pack, and I felt very proud. Coming from an engineering background, of course. Flat packs, what's that? Easy street. So anyway, we unpacked the box. Faye handed me the instructions to which I replied, I won't be needing them, Faye. Oh, no. I won't be needing no instructions. I'm going to use my imagination and the huge intelligence that I've been endowed with. Oh, yes. And there it was. Instructions tossed aside. I get down to business. Yeah. Come on. I had my little toolbox out. There I was with my little drill with the screwdriver on it. Zzit, zzit, putting all the little screws in place. I mean, what's hard about a flat pack? It's only got a bottom, a top, and two sides. Easy. It's not hard, is it? No. Simple. Anyway, an hour later, there's still 
bits all over the place. The, the square wardrobe that should have been square was all out of shape and all out of sync and it was a right mess. So Faye comes up, she says, haven't you, haven't you finished that wardrobe yet? She said, um, and this is a plus for Dave Coldard. She said, where's Dave? Dave here? At the back, there he is, look. She said, Dave, Dave built this wardrobe a couple of weeks ago. It only took him an hour. She said, maybe you should look at the instructions. I said, Faye, I don't need the instructions. Dave had a right one. This is a wrong one. This is blinking wrong. They, they forgot to put the parts in. Pride and arrogance. Oh, it's all in there. Believe me. It's wrong. The design's wrong. Dave, look, let's go. To, put those instructions away. They're no use. I've, they're simple. You've got to put the sides on and the top on, and I put the screws in, and the doors aren't going on now. The hinges won't fit. There's not enough screws. Well, look, look at the instructions. Look at the. Oh, don't give me that. She said, well, why don't you ring this, this helpline, Ikea's helpline? And initially I thought, my God, how humiliating. I'm an engineer. I said, give me that phone. I get on there. I thought, I'm not ringing for help. I'm going to rip into this operator and tell him that this design is wrong. I said, um, good, good evening, excuse me, I want to talk with somebody in charge, a manager please, somebody in charge of design, thank you very much. And I began to tell him how wrong the plans were and the drawings were and the parts are not all in and he, he quietly just, just begins to speak to me and he says, oh sir, he, says, um, he said, it's so strange, he said, we have sold tens of thousands of this product and never had a complaint. This is one of the one of the one of the foremost wardrobes that IKEA sells to the public, and I've never had a call about this product. We've had tens of thousands sold, and one has never come back. I said, "Well, there's always one, isn't there?" And this must be the one that's wrong. And then, as I was talking to him. And getting really quite cross with him. He was fine. I mean, he had every confidence that the design worked, you see. He had every confidence that IKEA don't make mistakes. He had every confidence that the instructions and the, the procedures, if followed, would achieve the desired results. But you see, what I learned that day and what I'm still learning today if you modify the instructions, you disable the results. If you modify the instructions, you end up with some kind of weird kind of concoction, some kind of weird design that was never intended by the planner. So anyway, he just says to me, look, sir, he's trying to pacify me. And then as I'm arguing with him on the phone, my eyes just begin to 
look over those instructions and I begin to see all of the mistakes and all of the backward procedure that I applied to something that needed order and obedience. Slowly, I became very quiet, to which the man said, Are you still there, sir? Oh, God. No, I'm not. I'm trying to pick myself off the floor. I said, oh, mate. I said, I'm really sorry to waste your time. I seem to have made a mistake. I didn't tell him that I had completely thrown away the instructions and discarded them. I, I seem to have made a mistake on instruction number one, two, three, and four. I should have followed them. He said, it's all right, sir. I put the phone down. I got my wife by my side. I said, Faye, she's brilliant with instructions, as is John. My God, I tell you something now, if we got John up here to tell you some of my stories where I hadn't followed instructions and he had to come behind me, helping me, you'd be here all day. Faye at my side, we followed the instructions and guess what? The man on the phone was right. The instructions did work. The design was perfect and we still have that wardrobe. Oh, it's fantastic. It works. It's, it's good. And it was built just like Dave's was built. Do you know what? It's like that with God's Word. Tell the simple story to illustrate finally what we want to say. It's easy to try and discard the, the instructions when we're at a point where we need to obey. It's easy to discard the blueprint. We think, oh, do you know what? In, on this occasion, I'm just going to do what's right in my mind, what's right in my own eyes. Listen, Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end leads to destruction. Its end leads to death. We don't want to be people that just do things that's right in our own eyes. We don't want to be a people that just does what we think we should do in a given moment. We want our time and our life and our meditation to be on His Word. Listen, none of us are perfect. We're going to fail. Look back on this last week and you'll see a whole host of failures that we could all acknowledge, all of us, every one of us. But today, God comes to us with His Word and says, come on, you may have had six months of failure. You may have had six months, 12 months of defeat. Come on, I'm still with you. I'm still holding the blueprint out. I'm still saying, here's the instructions. I'm still saying, here's the design for your life. Come on meditate on it. I want you to get the rich success that I've planned for you. I want you to get the rich abundance and the increase that I have for you. It's all encountered in my word. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray right now. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart. I'm going to give you a moment right now today to do that. 
Jesus is a prayer away. You haven't got to go to a monastery or some kind of convent. Try and find him. No, Jesus is like no other. He responds to what we say. To what we say. Not to what we do. He responds to what we say. And when we say, Lord, I believe that you're alive. I want you to come into my heart. I ask you to come in and forgive me. He responds to that. And he gives you peace and comfort and blessing. Right now, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Right now, I want to give you a moment to pray a prayer. This is a prayer that only you can pray. A priest can't pray it for you. The person next to you can't pray it for you. Maybe you've gone to bed at night, laid your head on the pillow, and you've been afraid. I was afraid when I was living in Northern Ireland as a 13-year-old kid. I'd cry myself to sleep every night, not knowing what was going to happen in my future until one day somebody said, Dave, pray a prayer asking Jesus into your life, man. He'll forgive you of the, of the sin that you've done. He'll change your life. He won't make you some kind of religious fruitcake, but he'll help you, save you, and he'll walk with you through life. I did it, simple prayer, uneducated. Oh, Jesus, please help me. I was in a field, in a tent of all places. Jesus, please help me. And I meant it, and my life didn't become perfect. Surprise, surprise. But it was saved. It was saved. And he's been with me ever since. I'm going to give you that moment right now to do that. Please, please, take this moment for what it is. A moment where you can reach out to the king of the universe, Jesus, because he's been reaching out to you for years. Say this, Jesus... I ask you to come into my heart. I call on your name. Jesus, save me. Forgive me. I ask it right now. Amen. Now, while eyes are closed, while heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, would you quickly lift your hand up? I'll see it. That's it, Paul. Lift your hand up. I'll see it. There's a lady here. That's it. That's it, my love. Well done. We're going to give you a Bible. That's all we want to do. Don't be afraid. That's it. Can we have another Bible for this lady here? That's brilliant. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? You're wondering about life and the direction that you should take in life. Listen. Jesus wants to be the way, the truth, and the life to you. Is there anybody else? Two people prayed quickly while eyes are closed. Lift your hand up. I'll see it. And we can give you a Bible. That's it, mate. That's it. There's people here and you're, you're wrestling with a decision. You're afraid. I know what that's like. We all know what it's like. We've been there. Afraid to put your hand up. Afraid to respond. But sometimes when you publicly acknowledge that, that's it, mate. That's it. There's another man there. That's it. Don't be afraid. This is a family here. 
We don't want you to be afraid. We know that it's hard to put your hand up, but I don't know what it is. When you put your hand up, something happens. When you just make that public cry, oh yeah, it's me, it's me. I put my hand up for you, Jesus. It's me that needs saving. When you do that, amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person. Maybe you didn't put your hand up this morning, but your heart prayed it. Hey, listen, Jesus is there with you this morning. Tell your friend. Let them speak to you and go through that prayer with you again. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person that's lifted their hand. I pray that you plant them in this house, part of your family. And I pray, Lord, as, as a family together, Lord, as we follow the instructions, as we look at the blueprint, as we build our lives on the rock, Christ Jesus, not on the opinions, the sand of others, but Lord, our lives would stand. Now I'm just going to pray for a congregation here. Lord, I pray for every person part of this house. You see every, every person, young and old, every home represented here, every life represented here. Lord, you know the desires of our heart. Lord, you know the longings that we have. You know, Lord, that some of us are disappointed. Some of us are in a place, in a corner that's dark. And we're thinking, my God, I've been waiting for this for years, and it's not happened. Lord, I pray that you'd lead us on out of that, that we'd follow those instructions, that you'd bring us good success, that you'd bring us prosperity, that, Lord, we wouldn't rely on any other blueprint for our life other than yours. And, Lord, we would come into everything that you've designed for us. I pray for every person here. And I ask you that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with everyone under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, amen.